Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Raul Patel. Thanks for being on the show again, Raul. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. I always appreciate the re-invite, you know? Yeah. Always grateful to have you back. And Raul's one of those attorneys who's been on numerous times. I encourage you to go back and listen to previous episodes with him. We have talked about so many topics that he's been able to just elaborate on and provide so much value on, whether it's specifically related to the legal side of the syndication business, but even just business-related topics like one we're going to talk about today. But in case you don't know who he is, he's been featured in USA Today, Business Week, Texas Lawyer, and the San Antonio Business Journal, where he was named a C-Suite Executive Awardee, 40 Under 40, the Outstanding Lawyers List, and was their Man of the Year. That's a neat title right there. Not everybody gets that, right? Thanks, Raul? man. I appreciate that. He's, he's also been featured in USA Today, Business Week, and many other publications. So, Raul, thanks again for your time. Welcome back. And, you know, I want to jump right in, though. You know, I know you've been in business for many years. You've scaled your business. You've been in that, you know, we're thinking like that for many years. And But not only have you been in it personally, but you're helping so so many other people think through that as well. And everybody wants to, you know, you say, well, what's, you know, something you will work on. And most people will say, well, scaling their business, right? Or most entrepreneurs. And so I thought, you know, something you and I could discuss today and just developing teams to scale and just thinking through some of that and how you've done it. Absolutely. Well, as always, thanks for having me on. I love the introduction. It never takes me too much to have to pay you to say those nice things. So I appreciate it. But you know, absolutely. You know, this is kind of an interesting time for a lot of folks over the last few months. They've had an opportunity to to really, you know, take a look at their business. And for some, it's been fight or flight, right? They've really just been kind of just, you know, swatting one issue or problem after another. And some folks have really had an opportunity to kind of sit back a little bit and understand where their business is, where they're going, and maybe where they need to go, right? And so what I tell folks a lot of times is this is a good opportunity when you're talking about scaling, because right now you're talking about your business, but really go back. I'm sure wherever you started, whether it was a couple years ago, six months ago, five years ago, you had some sort of a business plan. And for those of you that wrote it down or had a chance to really always tell people, you got to have a plan and you have to write it down, right? You've got to materialize it so you can go back and have some self-accountability and then adjust. But take a look at that business plan. And I guarantee you for most of you who are entrepreneurs had a plan to scale that, right? And what that means could be different for everybody, but there is some level of scale. There might be some folks that said, look, I want to own you know, my goal is to own 10,000 units. My goal is to own 100,000 units. Maybe somebody's goal is to own 500 units, right? Whatever that goal is, you had some level of scale. You didn't start by acquiring your very first multifamily unit or project and saying, you know what, we acquired 10,000 units on the very first go, right? Unless you were, you know, some sort of a private equity firm that had that plan. Most of you had a plan to get there and it included some level of a baby step. But typically, just like everything else in life, you get diverted, right? You get pulled in different directions, different issues, and just life. Life pulls you that way. And it could be things unrelated to your business that pull you in a certain direction. I can remember when, you know, when we first had, you know, our first child, your time changes, your sleep changes, certain things that have nothing, no bearing on your work, but it changes and it could possibly set you in a different course. So what I look at this as is an opportunity when you start talk about scaling, the first thing you really have to do is understand 
you know, what is your plan? What was your plan? And has your plan changed? You know, for many folks, your plan changes based on what you learned and what you acquired. You know, you might say, you know, I'm going to acquire, you know, 10 units at a time. And then when I'm going to get good at this, I'm going to try to acquire 100 unit property. And there are different challenges with those, right? There are people who are very successful finding that bread and butter and they, they do very well in the, you know, the smaller unit projects because they know how to run them, they know how to control them, they know how to purchase them, they know how to fund them, they know how to operate them. And then there's some people who, who scale up in size of the project. And some folks say, we're perfect in this scale, but we want to grow the total number of units. So, you know, really go back and look at your business plan and be honest with yourself and say what's worked, what has not worked. And then where do you want to go, right, with your business? And I think it's an opportunity right now to hit what I will call, and you'll probably hear me say this a little bit more today, is hit the reset button, right? And that's not a bad thing. Hit the reset button because you've had the opportunity of seeing the past. So hit the reset button for the positive, if that makes sense. Yes. Now, I think that's such a good idea. And, and, you know, most of us, you know, we were thinking about developing a business plan at one time, but I bet more than not didn't write one down. And I would encourage you to write one down, like, like Raul said. So, you know, let's talk about that plan just briefly, Raul. What are a couple of things if they didn't write one down that maybe should be on? I know you talked about goals and you talked about, you know, your plan and how your plans changed, but, you know, we're talking about, you know, scaling our business, looking forward. What were a couple of things that you had on yours maybe, or, or is something that's changed and, and and now looking back, you said, I should have had this on my business plan. You know, and absolutely. And we, we look at this quite frequently, having started, you know, kind of multiple businesses here that are in different lines. This is number one, you really want to set your goals and those can be and tier those out. You know, these are my one-year goals. These are my three-year goals. And these are my five-year goals. And the reason why is it's really important to go back and look at this and say in 2020, this is what I set for myself to do in 2025. And maybe Maybe you've achieved those or maybe you have not, or maybe things have changed. Number two is really understand the why, understand why you are doing this. And the, obviously the number one, number one objective for most people is a return on their investment dollars, right? That's easy. That's the easy part of saying, hey, we want to make 6%. We want to make 9%. We want to make 20%. But there's got to be a substantive why to your business model that's beyond the returns that is able to sustain you when you're not making money or it's going to take some time. So understand why it is. Are you, you know, dedicated on filling a certain need, hitting a certain target market, target demographic? So those are the things that you're going to need to have. And the reason why the why is so important is it gives you the baseline when certain economics don't go the way they need to. Because if you're doing it only for the money, I always tell people you've got an issue, right? Because at the end of the day, there's a lot of ways to do that. And if you're only doing it for the money, you've got some issues. There's been some good times and some tough times. Number two is make sure you have a how. How are you going to go about doing this? And that's really important. That's probably where your scaling model is going to do. It's saying, okay, I've set my target. My goal was in one year was 100 units. Year three was 500 units. And by year five was 10,000 units. Okay, you've got your goal. You've got your why you're going to do this. Now, how are you going to do this? And there's many ways. And that's why it's so critical. You could do this by adding a clip of 10 unit deals deal after deal after deal after deal, right? Or you could do this and say, I'm going to do 1,000 unit deal per year and I've got 5,000 units by the end of five years. That's how I'm going to do it. Whatever that principal model is, you've got to set a house. You're not all over the place. A lot of folks start just chasing things because an opportunity comes. So I always say, you know, I used to early on, I used to take a lot of business meetings, lots of calls, right? Lots of 
lots of activity, but very little result. Lots of activities, very little result. And meaning you have a great conversation, great energy, and you're like, okay, you leave. But then nothing ever happened from that. And so what I think a lot of that times is you start chasing things that may not be in your wheelhouse. Ground up construction. For a lot of folks and say, okay, I've got a great deal. I'm going to do this. Do you realize how long the life cycle of doing a ground up construction takes? How long that process goes through? What you have to do in order to get that? And the challenges that you're going to run up against in doing one of those. So you really have to understand how you intend to hit that in this year and moving forward. That could be your scale model. You know, a couple of the things that I think a lot of people don't think about, especially those things, some of those are basics. If you pull up business plans, you'll see these things, is I really think as an entrepreneur, you really need to focus on your strengths and your weaknesses. And the biggest thing I think strengths are pretty easy because you're just naturally going to gravitate towards things that you're strong at, right? Whether it's due diligence, whether it's financial projection and planning, whether that's marketing and sales, whether it's fundraising, those are easy because you're just going to go there when times are tough. But I think you really have to identify your weaknesses and why I think that's really important. It's probably the next one of the topics we'll probably touch on here is developing a teamwork, a team framework around what you're doing to help you focus on the things that you are not strong at. And that doesn't mean just delegating them, say, hey, I, I don't know what I'm doing in this, so you go do it. No. What that means is understanding where you're weak, learning those things with somebody who is stronger and traditionally better at that. And making sure as you add them into your team, they understand your strengths, their strengths, and each other's weaknesses so you can really collaborate and work well together in times where you need that. Sometimes so you're saying we should improve our weaknesses but, or recognize them for one and, and improve them, but potentially still have someone else that's the expert in that yeah. area? Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah, and that's where you find strengths, right? A lot of times in partnerships, people find tend to gravitate towards people who are they very similar to, right? They get along really well. Hey, you and I get along super well. So it's kind of, that's how we join forces. The problem with that sometimes is before you join forces, do you find out that the two of you are really good at the same kinds of things? What do you think that's going to happen when all of a sudden your projections are due and your certain financial performers are due and you know whatever that might be, right? And so you really have to find people who are, in order to scale, you have to, as the entrepreneur, understand where you are weakest at. And that doesn't mean you just go and outsource it. Like I tell a lot of people to say, well, you know what, I'm just going to hire a CPA. I'm just going to hire a CFO. That's not the answer. You've got to understand what they're doing, why they're doing it. It may not be you that puts the nuts and bolts together, but you need to know how to do this, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, on that note, you know, I'd, I'd love for us to talk about, you know, just creating that team and, you know, developing a team and scaling that way. I think that's, that's something that's very difficult is finding people, hiring people and those things, you know, maybe we can move into that. Yep, yep, absolutely. And so when you talk about hiring people, you know, I take a look at everything as an opportunity. Let's take a look at the current environment. It's difficult if you're an entrepreneur employer to find the right talent during over the last couple of years. It truly was what I would call an employee's market, right? Because the dictation was the way the economy is. I think this is the right time to really talk about when we talk about how you're going to do things, how is more than just the actual process of it, but how is your business going to be set up and what principles do you believe in as foundational tools? And so this is told a lot about people, people who have gone, you know, worked night and day for PPP loans, who've tried to figure out how to keep their staff getting paid. And some folks, unfortunately, have had not been able to do prevent furloughs, right? Financially, just they weren't able to do it. A lot of folks really rolled up their sleeves and figured out how are we not furlough? How do we not lose valuable members of our team? At the same time, valuable members of other teams have been lost. 
And so there's an opportunity there to pick up somebody that may be in a need for opportunities that may have had you know, non-competes, different agreements that were in place that may not no longer be relevant and for an opportunity for you to build while others are on pause or on stop or on scale back for you to press forward, right? Because there could be opportunities and knowledge. So, you know, if you go back and refocus on your business plan and say, you know what? I didn't hit my three-year plan. I didn't even hit my one-year plan. I didn't hit anything. So what do I need to do? And then if you find that, hey, you know what? I'm focused. I've struggled here. I got to the finish line, but every time I couldn't close. Every got here, but I, I struggled. I couldn't put all the, the deal points together. I couldn't get you know, X, Y, Z. And then I wasn't getting good counsel. A lot of times what we talk about, you know, with our clients is, you know, there's people view lawyers is what we do is just, Oh, well, I just need you to paper up what I do, what I tell you to do. That's not what we do. We go in there and tell you how to help you help you get things done that you need to do because there's a lot of components in there. So this is a good opportunity for you to reset, find out where you struggle a little bit. And I guarantee you, if you look around, there's people right now who could help you fill those opportunities that are hungry as you to be successful during these times that, that aren't so positive. How did you go about, say, you know, developing, you know, whether it's a job description or, or just how tasks are oriented across your business from one individual to another, you know, and just thinking through, because that can be overwhelming sometimes. Well, I need somebody for this. I need somebody for that. Can it be the same person? You know, is there a way that you went about that? You know, number one, you have to really talk about creating kind of your, your baseline of how you think things should be run and then getting their input. I think the biggest challenge that people have a lot of times is they put their process together and they don't get any input. It doesn't mean you need to do exactly what every single person that works for you says, but you got to have their input. If you tell them, hey, look, I need you to do this and then do this and then have this person go to this person, this person goes to this other person, you don't have any input, then you might be putting into play a process that actually isn't helping anybody, right? And so after you've implemented, everybody walks away frustrated. So, you know, for example, you know, with one of our businesses right now, we, as we've scaled, we've brought on a lot of new team members. So the process has kind of not what I call quote unquote, there's just, there is some unknown where the, where the process is. So we really started from the top, figured out what we need to do, got some information, got some feedback, did some digging, did some homework, and then we put together a new process chart, right? And so as we implement that out today to team-wide, it's really a matter of, it's not just, hey, this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it. This is saying, this is what we're seeing. This is what people are telling us. And this is what makes sense for our business. And then we're going to implement that. And then continue to get that feedback that you need from folks. And I think that's one of those things we talk about. A lot of folks have a lack of transparency. You know, people were just, you know, let go without ever even being knowing what's going on. If you don't know what's going on in your business that you work for, to some extent, you may not have every detail, but you've you probably have some issues both ways because they can't help you. Maybe they can help you. Maybe they can help you in a way that you're not even aware of because for most folks who work for you or with you at a good place, they're trying to see you successful too, right? They don't want to work for somebody who's unsuccessful because what does that mean for them? Not good things, right? So the idea here is, is if you can tell them, hey, look, guys, this is what we need to do, then I think you find the energy for people to pick up and help you out. Nice. So what about just keeping them motivated? You know, are there ways that you've done that or just ways that you all, I don't know, communicate like you're talking about keeping things open, but you know, so that way they know you're being successful and they keep motivated. You know, motivation is, is always a tough thing, right? I mean, you, you kind of run out of small things that you can do for people, whether it's holiday parties or gifts or, you know, days off, whatever those things are. I think really motivation comes internally. You've got to find people that are motivated with you as much as you and then making sure you hire people like that and then giving them the tools. I think the biggest motivation killer for employers is the lack of some level of an autonomy, 
when people lose that autonomy where they feel like they can, they're in charge of their own career or where they work, I think that's where people tend to die with their motivation. So to me, I think it's more about their autonomy that you can help create with them. Now, there's some balance there, right? There are people that might be green. They may not have the experience. You can't just let them do make decisions, but you've really got to let them know, hey, this is the process. This is what it's going to get to and do that. And then seeing, seeing people's promotions, seeing people move up in opportunities is, is important because as you see people around you moving up, you know, we just promoted somebody who's been with us since the very, almost the very beginning to a junior partner to seeing, hey, look, if I do what I'm capable of doing, it looks like it, it is rewarding and it can be rewarded. And then letting that person know, hey, look, you're probably going to be, people are going to come to you. Let them know. Let them know how this works. Let them know why there is a long-term plan here. And I think that's really what I think. But motivation, I think to me, for most people, comes from some level of autonomy to be able to be trusted to do their job, let them do their job, and make sure that you're overseeing that they are doing it. And once you know that they are, that they're capable of doing it to let them work, right? That's what I think is a big motivation factor. One last thing that I think a lot of people don't talk about is also what I call, which you talk about motivation, but motivation killers. I think it's very easy for you and, and probably most of us who work somewhere recognize somebody that isn't pulling their weight and they're still there. It, it can tell you, well, why am I doing X if that person's there? Most people, you try to find people who are looking to succeed. I think sometimes you have to make an example of the person, particularly in times like this, where every dollar for your business is important to let them know why, if somebody is like a why they were let go, like the specific reasons, this is why. And also let them know, hey, probably know this is the guy that walks in late. This is the guy that person always leaves early. It doesn't really have their assignments due on time. Well, why are they still here, right? If there isn't that accountability. So I think you really have to check some of those items right now. Wow. Okay. So really analyzing who your, I guess, key team members are as well, right? And who are not, who maybe shouldn't be there any longer. You know, that's a hard decision to make, right? To have to let somebody go. Do you have any advice as far as that goes? Uh, As far as just, you know, when we've said, okay, this person's not going to be somebody that should be with us long-term. How should we handle that? Number one, if there is, if you are the boss and then there's a direct supervisor for that person, talk to that person, empower them to make that decision. So talk to whoever that might be, whether it's a VP, talk to that VP and let them make that decision. One, it, it gives them the authority, the autonomy then to know what, that they're capable to make a decision. It also lets the rest of your team know, hey, look, this isn't just always at the top. This is a decision made by somebody else. It gives them the power that they need to do to implement the processes that they have. Second, with the person that they're being let go is be specific. Give them specific reasons on termination as to why they were let go. And if you don't have specific reasons, then you probably have an issue as to why you're letting them. Well, they haven't been doing, haven't been doing, okay, what have they, what they have they not been doing? Like, let, give me an example. This was assigned to them on Monday. It was, you need to do that by Monday afternoon or Monday evening, and it wasn't due until Wednesday. Why? What happened? And let's go through these specific examples. So there is no, when that person exits, you know why. And then, then relaying that, transferring that to your team to inform them, you know, how and why that person was let go, if that makes sense, right? So it's letting them know too. They weren't just fired for no reason. They weren't just let go, but letting them know that you understand and you see the same things that they probably saw, or it gives them a cue to understand what it is that they need to do just so they're not in that same position down the road. Because a lot of times it's like, well, shit, like, sorry, did I get fired because of this? Did that person do this? Like, are my next? Is there more coming? Is it a layoff? You got to be specific with them. This person was let go because of X, Y, Z. Anybody has any questions, come find me. And I think giving each of your employees a few minutes to address 
anything that they might be having. So that's, I think that's the process. It's tough. A lot of people try not to be specific, but I think you've got to be specific and then you got to be transparent with the rest of your team as to what happened. I think it's going to help that individual as well, right? Absolutely. Maybe there's Hopefully things that you... Hopefully yeah, it does. Right. Maybe there's things you recognize and it's going to help them long-term if you're very open about about it. So before we get to that point, though, is you know, when we're having to terminate employment of someone, do you have you know performance evaluations? Do you have things that maybe you know annually or monthly or you know six months you know that you're discussing with employees about their performance? You know, I mean, those things, every, every company has some good processes in place for evaluations. You know, I think there are folks that you can evaluate things to death, you can under-evaluate, right. you can over-evaluate. I mean, there, there's, there is really no magic sauce to how you do things. I think everybody can do things differently and really do that. I think just having the ability and the openness to understand having specific direct conversations at the right times with each of your employees and then letting them know, hey, look, if you've got some specific questions about you or your career, you need to come and talk to me and you need to be available to have those types of conversations. So, you know, to me, I think, you know, not getting into the weeds of an evaluation, I think everybody is different, but, you know, in order to really scale your business and grow it, you need to understand people and you need to understand your people. What is truly motivating them? And if you talked about how do you motivate people, your motivation, everybody's motivation factors, and we know this, is not the exact same, right? And they're just, they're not, they're humanly not going to be the same. Some people... I've got an attorney in here. She loves like the complex litigation that requires her to work till nine, 10 o'clock at night to get a motion in and then just go cream the other side. Right. And that just, I mean, you just see an excitement in her face. And there are some people when you give them that, they're like, oh. right. And so you've got to understand that. And so you've got to really motivate that person by giving them the things that are motivating them. And it's not, you know, get, once you get past the pay and the bonuses and, and the time off and all that little stuff, there's about project driven. You know, I talked about it earlier, but what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? People have those too. Your employees have those too. So if you're putting people in positions to succeed, you're going to win all around. If you're putting people in position to fail, well, they're going to be miserable and they're going to leave and they're going to look for another job. So ultimately you have to do that. And you can't be afraid to pivot. Sometimes you put somebody in charge because they've been loyal, they've been good, they've been with you and you put them in a position and they don't do well at that position. A lot of folks do great. And then you move them to a management level and they're not, that's not their strong suit. Never was, never will. And now you've got issues. So you've got to be able to come back and check that without saying, hey, look, this is a demotion. This is, this is where you're best situated. We want to use your strengths and focus on those, if that makes sense. Does all right, Raul. We're almost out of time, but you know we've talked about going back and looking at your business plan, getting it written down, looking at your goals, your your why, your how, your you know developing your team, managing that team, motivating them. I mean, you you've covered many great things. There anything else you want to leave us with as far as you know just developing that business plan and scaling your your business that you want to leave us with before we have to go? You know, don't get tired. Entrepreneurial fatigue is real. Is a real thing. Yeah, you, you know, you tend to work hard and you keep going, and then there are times it just hits you. And you wonder, you know, is this worth it? Is am I doing the right thing? I think you really, you cannot let that that fatigue get to you. You can get let it get to you for the moment. Reset, come back. And I use that a lot in the reset. And you got to find periods like that. Set aside a little bit of time every week to look at your business as a is a big picture versus a project or an assignment. And then number three, just like everyone else, find somebody that that you can talk to about business, about whatever it is you're doing that you can say, hey, look, this person doesn't need to be in your same business. It doesn't need to be somebody who scaled 10,000 units and you're trying to do 10,000 because what worked for them may not work for you. 
right? It's just as simple as that. But find somebody who can be a guidance for you so that we continue to change and it's not afraid to give you the real advice. Hey, you're doing awesome. Keep killing it. You're doing this. I keep it up. I love what you're doing. No, I need to know what I am not doing. What can I do better at? Because that's where you're going to grow. So if it was anything I would say beyond that is those three items. Bro, how do you like to give back? Oh, we've got so, you know, with right now with everything that's going on, there's just so many ways to give back, but we've done a lot over the last, you know, with COVID, we started a small business group here in San Antonio that donated and called thousand for thousand, trying to get you know as many business owners to give forward a thousand dollars. And we did a couple of drives for the food bank, San Antonio food bank, you know, food bank emissions have been hit very, very hard. We partnered with a couple of NBA players, Keldon Johnson to support the food bank. We partnered with also Lonnie Walker, and we did something for the women and children's shelters. People have no idea right now how impactful COVID being in lockdown has been on the family's abuse, and those rates have gone through the roof right now. And so there's so many ways to get back, and we try to do the best we can to get back to the community. So, you know, just doing what we can where we can. Nice. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for giving back in that way and giving back to us again today, just sharing your wide variety of expertise and just knowledge that you've acquired over you know many years of experience now. And so grateful for that. But tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. And just look us up on social media. You can look us up at the law firm PatelGains.com and that's P-A-T-E-L-G-A-I-N-E-S.com. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well under PatPatelGains.com. But if you ever have any questions about multifamily or how to help you through it, again, we don't think of ourselves as just you know lawyers. We really look at just ourselves as your partner through what you're doing. Who is that eyes and ears that tells you, no, don't do this this doesn't look good. This doesn't look right versus, Hey, just go forward and do whatever. And we've seen a lot. Uh, we've helped a lot of folks in the multifamily space. If you ever have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. But Whitney, I appreciate everything you do, man. Keep up the positive and 671. So hopefully you'll invite me back for the number thousand soon. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.